do we grow as Christians? At Bellwether, we want to raise leaders for Christ. This month, our sermon series is called Raise, as we want to give you specific ways to grow in your walk with Christ. Join us on a Sunday morning as we raise leaders for Christ. Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do want to praise you. And I pray we would we would know you so much more that, that our hearts would praise you. Whether we're on the mountaintop peak or whether we're in the valley, and that our hearts would sing with worship because what you have done for us, Jesus. And that we would know you more and more as healer, as Savior, as Deliverer, for what you have done, for who you are, for what you will do in our lives, in the world. Pray for hearts today, hearts that are hurting. Give them your joy, your supernatural joy by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us worship. Worship even when we don't sing but worship in our hearts and praise you, Jesus. Thank you that that we can do that. Thank you that the people in this church want to know you and love you and serve you and worship you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Y'all have a seat, please. If you have your Bible, you can turn to uh, uh, two passages. Acts, Acts chapter 1. And Hebrews chapter 10 will be in Acts 1 first. Before we do that, though, uh, something that uh, I'm going to be talking about today is ways for you to connect in relationship and community, a smaller group. And we are starting uh, a new small group that one of our staff members is leading, Jeremy Wolf. Come on up, Jeremy. And he wants to uh, share a word about that and... uh, so would you just listen to Jeremy? It's Jeremy Wolf. Great. Um, so the past, uh, past month we've been going through this series called RAISE because we want to raise you as a leader for Christ. RAISE is an acronym. It's, it's uh, things that can help you become that leader. And so since we're talking about sharing in a group today, uh, I will be creating a, a, a new group and starting this off in September. Anyone is welcome. But this is, this is a different kind of group than anything I've ever been involved in. Uh, scripture tells us that uh, we are to have a, uh, give an account uh, for the faith that we have uh, to anyone who asks. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times it's really tough to answer uh, difficult questions that, that people really genuinely have. You know, you know how can a, a great, holy, and almighty God allow suffering in the world? You know, how, who really authored Scripture? Like, these are, I think, great questions, important questions. And so uh, I'm going to take uh, a group of people through uh, Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God which I think is a, is a great uh, discussion starter for all these questions. So uh, throughout um, the next several Wednesdays, it'll be right after our Wednesday service, so from about 7 to 8 here in the church, probably one of these back rooms, uh, we'll just go through and, and really just talk about our faith. We'll go through Tim Keller's book, but we'll also just discuss 
you know, ways that we can, uh, ways that we can talk about our faith on a real level that, that really resonates with people. But anyway, anybody's welcome. Send me an email uh, if you're interested. Thanks, Jeremy. And as, again, Jeremy is on our staff team. He is our administrator. So uh, he administrates us or administrates me. Helps me out a lot. Really makes sure everything functions. And, uh, but he does have to uh, give him a little, uh, little love here. He has this uh, big heart for uh, people who are skeptics, uh, who are questioning. And God led him to start this group. Uh, if you've got questions, if you're skeptical, if you want to know more, so again, it will be a meeting here Wednesdays after our equip service. So if you need a connection, talk to him. There are, uh, there, there are two big things that I have seen uh, that, that really uh, challenge people uh, when I've been in ministry for the last 10 years. Two big things. One of them is broken relationships. Uh, and, and honestly, this, this really frustrates me uh, for Christians because if, if we believe uh, what we say we believe in God's Word, then we believe in, in again, a, a supernatural power that can heal and heal relationships. But I've seen many, many relationships be broken and stay broken uh, because of things uh, like pride and just, just wanting to be right, uh, things like that. The other one that I've seen over and over again is, is loneliness, uh, which is interesting in a church because, I mean, we're, we're to be family. Uh, we gather, we're together, but I still hear and see uh, people's hearts, and they're, they're lonely, uh, lonely for community and relationship, and, and particularly uh, when, when big trials hit. When I say a big trial, I mean all trials are big, but, but I mean, you know, the, the trials of death uh, and loss and someone you love and cared for that's here one day and, and then gone, uh, we experience this feeling of loneliness. Uh, one thing that I've said a lot uh, at, at gravesides, because uh, um, a great man and a great pastor told me about 10 years ago, uh, Reverend David McIntosh, and I, I'll never forget this as long as I live. He's done many funerals been at many gravesides, and, and he said, son, he called me son, he's like, you know, it's at the, the moment, you know, when they're going to lower the casket, I think people feel the most or the greatest sense of, of separation. And so he would always use Romans eight thirty eight that nothing can separate us from the love of God, uh, neither height nor depth, things present nor things to come, not even death itself. Nothing can separate us. He said, I'd always say that. And now every, every funeral, every graveside service I've done, I, I use those same words because it, it's very true. Scripture is more true. Nothing can separate us. But we have this, this sense of, of loneliness. Now, I think it's our brokenness. I think it's our sin. But again, we have this, this victory and this hope in Jesus Christ. That's why we gather each week to be reminded of that in worship and in word. But we, we need more. We, we need relationships that will encourage us, that will hold us accountable, that will walk with us, stand with us, and, and let us know. And nothing will separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. And we want to grow those relationships uh, here at Bellwether. Jesus does not want you to be alone. That's why he gave us his spirit. He gives us 
His church. And as His church, we don't want you to be alone. We want no one to be alone here. We want everybody connected. Everybody to feel part of the family. Uh, That can be challenging. That can be work. But it is good work because that's what Jesus wants. He does not want you to be alone. So we're talking about that today. But I want to look at Acts. Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to read verse 6 through 14. It's a very interesting passage. For some of you, it's familiar. It's when Jesus ascended. But uh, I hope to show you some things that maybe you didn't see that ties into our need for relationships that are built and stay on the rock of Jesus Christ. Acts 1, we'll start with verse 6. So when they had come together, and these are the disciples after the resurrection, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went... Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath's day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Again, this, uh, this may be a, a familiar passage for, uh, for many of you, but it tells us some things about what we need to grow together. Now, what is interesting, and, and you know, often in Scripture, we, uh, you know, we read, you know, the red words are important points, and sometimes we can glance over verses. Now, a, a verse that I have easily glanced over uh, many, many times, because I love Acts, and I've, I've read Acts 1 and 2 uh, many times, but I have glanced over verse 12, where they were uh, near Jerusalem, a Sabbath's day journey away. Uh, now, Luke, who wrote this, uh, Luke was a physician, and like many physicians here, he, you know, probably based his life on precision uh, and getting the details right, because in the details, and I'm not a detailed person, but sometimes it can mean life and death. And that one little comment, uh, a Sabbath's day journey, that means that they walked all day. And when you take a whole day, you're walking you got a lot of time to talk, you know? And so, you know, I'm thinking and imagining the disciples, they have seen Jesus going to heaven, but the Holy Spirit still hasn't come, so they are, they're very confused. They're, they're like, what's going on? Does it mean Jesus is coming back tomorrow or next week? Uh, what are we supposed to do? He, he just said, go to Jerusalem, wait there. And, I mean, I would imagine there, there was great confusion, uh, 
But there was also, and y'all may not know this, there was also great conflict. You see, that there was probably still some bitterness towards Peter, who had been like the leader, but then he, he denied Jesus. Uh, James and John, if you remember, uh, their mama had asked Jesus, hey, can my boys sit at your right and your left? So uh, I don't know if you uh, uh, experience uh, envy or jealousy or pride, uh, but uh, I, I wrestle with those things. But you can imagine uh, the other, well, let's say nine, don't count Judas, how they felt uh, and, and thinking that these mama's boys, James and John, you know, I mean, not knocking them, but, you know, just imagine what you would think. You know, the mama went and stepped in front of them and said, hey, can my boys, you know, be closest to you, Jesus? Probably a little bit of bitterness there, you know. Something else you might not know was there was actually, scholars have uh, discovered this, that there was tension between the disciples and Jesus' earthly family. Because Jesus' earthly family uh, actually did not believe Jesus was who he said he was till after his resurrection. And James... And we're going to start a study on James after Labor Day, the letter of James. That was not James the Apostle, that was James, Jesus' brother. And James didn't believe until after the resurrection. So here are the disciples, Jesus' earthly family, you know, together. Here's also Mary Magdalene. And there was probably some maybe challenging, confusing feelings towards her. Been a prostitute, several demons cast out, yet the Lord chose her, and she was in the midst. And so you had all these, to be frank, competing personalities, strong personalities, uh, unsure what was going down, and here they were together in this, this small space after walking a day, talking through some stuff. And, you, man, you can just imagine the tension in that room. Now, I believe in that room, a couple things happened. I believe there was confession. I believe there was repentance. I believe there was reconciliation. Why do I believe that? Because in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit pours forth. And if there's big strongholds of pride and unforgiveness, that ain't going to happen. So I believe that those disciples, Jesus' family... They started getting right with God, getting right with one another, preparing their hearts for the mighty work of the Holy Spirit. And they had a couple things, and this is what we need. This is what you need. One, they had a hope. I've said that uh, several times already in the service. They had a hope because the hope was, and they heard Jesus say, verse 8, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. They also had a hope that the angels said that the Lord Jesus would return. So they had a hope of power and they had a hope of the reality of Jesus coming back. And so often in our lives, and I'm, I, I couldn't be more serious here, uh, when I see broken relationships, uh, when I see loneliness in people's lives, I literally see this lack of hope. Uh, and it hurts me. And I'll tell you why it hurts me. Because, you know, I, I mean, I stand and preach and teach. And Chris and Tyler leads worship. And, and others teach. And we're here in a church. I was like, man, I want you to have this hope. 
This hope and power. This hope that a day is coming. That Jesus will return. And I really believe when, when there are broken relationships, when there, are, when there is unforgiveness, when there is loneliness, people lack that hope. Yet God said it to His disciples. God's Word says it to us. And if you believe, you've got to grasp this hope for power that's real. That can heal. That can change. That can transform. And you've got to believe that this is not the end and that a day is coming and that the Lord will descend from heaven and unite the heavens and the earth. And when you have that hope, then it changes your worldview. And it, 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 I believe it, it makes some of the, the big issues that we have conflict over and brokenness over, it makes them smaller. So I, mean, I plead with you and I pray for us. Have that hope. They also had prayer. It said... Verse 14, they were praying together. Uh, prayer brings unity. Uh, I counsel folks, and I counsel myself on this. If, if you have conflict with someone else, pray for that person. And, and pray, uh, pray that things will go well. Uh, I'll be, you know, really honest, transparent. I mean, I've had conflict with people, and there have been moments... I've been on my knees, and I've heard the voice of the Lord say, pray for blankety-blank. And, and I've said, you know, no, Lord, no, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't do that. And he continues to say it, and I'll pray for him. And then, and here's the key thing, at a point, he'll say, pray that things go well for him. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going, I mean, I'll pray like, you know, heal their heart, Lord, or, you know, forgive them, Lord, I'll pray that, but that things go well. And he's like, no, I want you to pray things go well. You know, and I start doing that. And uh, it is like, it is, Chris said this earlier, it is like medicine uh, to the soul. Uh, you, you can't, you know, not pray for someone and, and have uh, feelings that, of unforgiveness. It's just, it, it's power and it's the Holy Spirit. And, and there's a reason God calls us to prayer. And there's a reason God calls me to pray for, hey, pray for this person. Pray for that person. And He's telling you to do the same thing. The Holy Spirit works in prayer. Well, I mean, one thing... You know, that I've heard and said and, and read, you know, with, with the young man, Walker, is, you know, this miracle of believers praying together, united in prayer. That we believe prayer works, that prayer heals. And so they had prayer here in this small group. And they were confessing, and there was reconciliation. And then Acts 2 comes, and if you know Acts 2, we're not going to get into it today. But man, the Holy Spirit pours forth. And I believe they had done the hard work of getting anything out that would block the work of the Holy Spirit. And He came forth in wind and fire and power. And they were changed men and women. And they started on that journey that leads us to right here and now of growing His church, raising His kingdom. Jeremy said earlier that we're doing this series called Raise. And at Bellwether, you will hear the word raise a lot. It is our, our mission and vision, whatever you want to call it, raising leaders who raise families, who raise the kingdom. Our reason for being, and every church is different, but here, our deal is we want to raise you up as leaders for Christ. And we believe everybody can be a leader for Christ because we see it in Scripture. Uh, we see Peter who denied him. 
Peter who ran his mouth. We see David you know, committed adultery and then killed the guy. We see very broken people who stepped out in faith, believing in something greater than themselves, and God used them in powerful ways for this world in their time. And we believe that could be the same for you. So we say raise, and each letter means something, a way that you can grow in Christ. So S for us is share in a group. And I chose this passage because they were a smaller group of believers who were wrestling with things and talking through things, but came together in prayer. And we want to, whether you call it promote or emphasize, all of you, you need some smaller group of believers to grow in your faith. And the reason we say share in a group is that it needs to be a place where you can share. You can get honest. You can get real. You know it's a space that whatever's said here stays here. Everybody, all of us, need that. We want you to have that. Whether it's something formal that our church does or just relationships, and it's, it's an informal deal, but we need this. And some of the, the most powerful times in, in my own growth in my life have come in these smaller groups. And I have seen, as I've been in ministry and, and led groups, man, just, I mean, God can save a person in a group. God can use you to impact a person in a great way. You, you sense the Holy Spirit. I, I've been in groups where there has been just powerful confession. And you have seen emotional and spiritual healing. And, and often, that, I mean, that happens more like in a house, in a smaller group setting than, than it might on Sunday morning. And that's okay. It's the way the Holy Spirit works. I mean, the church started in a small group in an upper room where believers were together and confessing and sharing and being real and praying together. That's God's deal. And we need to continue that with one another. Now, I want to show you this passage in Hebrews, so turn quickly, Hebrews 10. And these passages, I think they really connect with one another. But I want you to see, like, what you would have in a smaller group. Because you can say, okay, great, and I've preached, you know, this several times, you know, being a group, you said, I've heard this one before, you know. But I want you to really see, like, what's it supposed to be like? I mean, really be like in this group? Because it's different than a social club or a supper club. I mean, we all want relationships. I mean, I, I love the old TV show Cheers. Some of y'all don't know what that is. But, you know, we all want a place where everybody knows your name. And, uh, and often it's at a bar for, uh, or, you know, it, it has been, or, or maybe it is still for you. But we have that in us. And the Lord, I believe, calls us to something different. So this group looks different than some of the other groups we might be part of. Look at Hebrews 10. I'm going to start verse 11. I'm going to read through verse 25. Okay? Verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, 
I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Show you a few things. What would a smaller group have? It starts and ends with Jesus. The beginning of this passage, but when Christ had offered up for all time a single sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God. A group has to be centered on Jesus. And, you know, a question we get a lot here is the once saved, always saved deal. And I, you know, encourage them to look at that, that verse. For all time offers this sacrifice. So it is about Jesus. You know, not a social club, not a supper club, centered on Jesus. Yet the Holy Spirit is there. And then another reason I love this passage is it tells us what the Holy Spirit does. And, and look at this. I want you to see this. And, you, you know, y'all can be, and I've done this before. You know, you just, all right, pastor said, read this, and I kind of glance over it. I want to open it up for you, okay? Look at what Scripture says. The Holy Spirit said, I will put my laws on their heart and write them on their minds. That if you come into a group, if you come here, if you come anywhere, but with a willing heart, the Holy Spirit is present and He will teach you. He teaches us on our minds, on our hearts. So I know, you know, each group, each church, I mean, have teachers, but it's the Holy Spirit teaching you, putting these words in your heart, speaking to you. And then look at what else the Holy Spirit does. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering from sin. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to forgive. The Holy Spirit brings forgiveness. So I believe, and I know this from personal experience, you know, you can go into a group and you can have bitterness, maybe for nobody in the group, or you wouldn't go there in the first place. But, you know, you can come in, but I mean, a, a real deal group family of Jesus, centered on Jesus, the Holy Spirit, He starts working on our hearts. And as we pray and as we share, we cannot, I mean, it is impossible to hold things like bitterness and unforgiveness in Him. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are free. We're free from all that. That's what a group has. But then the people start working one with another. And look, the writer of Hebrew goes on, gives us confidence We have confidence. Stirs up love and good deeds. Encouraging one another. Verse 23. Holding fast to the hope. Because He is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Starts with Jesus. Jesus speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Teaches us. Heals us. Then we start... Sharing with one another, teaching one another, loving one another, encouraging one another, stirring one another up for good works. 
reminding one another of the very real hope of both what happened in the past, the cross and empty tomb, what's happening in the present, the work of the Holy Spirit, what will happen in the future as God continues to work and orchestrate and one day return. And it says the day, and I love, I don't know if your Bible does this, the day in my Bible is capitalized. The day. The day the Lord returns, praise God. Going back to Acts 1, what the angel said, he will come again. We want this for you. We want you to have this safe place where the Holy Spirit is working on your hearts. So here's what we can do as a church right now. What we can do, we we got many groups that are already going. You just heard about one we're starting, Jeremy's group. Uh, We've got groups that meet Sunday nights. My wife and I are part of one up in Madison, start meeting tonight. There's one in Jackson uh, that meets on Sunday nights. We've got a men's group that meets right back here, Tuesday mornings, 6.30, for all you early risers. It's a great group. Got a women's group, Tuesday at lunch. And then something else we're starting, this ties into Jeremy's group. Uh, I lead a group uh, every year I've done this. I used to call it Radical, now calling it Raise. Like I said, you hear Raise a lot. But it's more intentional, and it's a nine-month commitment, August to May. And I I call it a Holy Spirit experiment. You get a bunch of random hodgepodge of folks who pray together, look into God's Word. Not a lot of bells and whistles. Just meet, sneaky beans, 6.30 on Wednesday morning, and see what the Holy Spirit will do. And now our staff, Chris, Jill, Jeremy are starting uh, raised groups as well, and they're more intentional. So we want everybody connected. And if you're like, man, I don't have a group. We, get, we do Wednesday night equip. We want you to connect it. We don't want you to feel alone. We want you to be part of this family, which is the family of Jesus. How would you start? What's the first step? Uh, very easy. Turn to Miss Jill Bowden. Now, we love Jill. That was supposed to be funny. I don't know. I mean, I was just picking on Jill. We love Jill. She always kids around. Just turn to Jill. You know, she, she runs the place. But Jill's email's up here. And uh, somebody said that's so true. Yeah, I know. Anyway, Jill is our community life leader. And she wants to help you get connected. Shoot her an email, jbowdenbellwetherchurch.org. And, and we'll get you connected. Now then, something that we need, that's what we have, how to take a first step. Here's what we need. Uh, we need strong, healthy groups. You're like, what does that mean? Healthy groups. Well, go back to what I said. Starts with Jesus, Holy Spirit, encouraging one another, stirring one another up. But a healthy group is more than that. A healthy group lives into our mission statement. And remind you, it is raising leaders. So within the group, it's not based on one person. Because one person can burn out and fry. And if everything goes on to that one person, then at a certain point, they're going to get tired. So the the group needs to be Raising up leaders, leaders who will email prayer requests, leaders who will bring food, leaders who will host, leaders who will teach. So you literally have this incubator for leaders that are growing one another in Christ. And if we talk about raising leaders, that means starting new groups. So if somebody within, and I know they're like, oh, you ain't breaking us up, but hey, if we're going to live out the Great Commission, we always got to be growing. We always got to be changed. We always got to be sending people out. So a healthy group grows, and then a leader arrives and says, hey, I want to you know, start my group. And they support them, and more groups are started. Just like to use this Radical Raise group, now our staff is doing their groups. And we want multiplication. We want growing disciples. We want raising leaders. We want that to be you. 
It is part of the family. It is part of the community. But it's also challenging, pushing in a godly, loving way. Man, God's called you. God's gifted you. God wants to use you. We want that for you. We all need Jesus. I first really started hearing Jesus and his call in my life in a small group of men. I think it was like five or six. And this was over 15 years ago. And I was, you know, all ready to conquer the world, but living in a lot of sin. And I'm talking explicit sin. And all about me. And I said, well, I, you know, I got to do something. And I'm blowing off church on Sunday morning because I'm out late partying and doing all that. I got to get, you know, I got to at least feel kind of good about myself and reading the Bible every now and then. I don't know if any of y'all relate, but anyway, that's how I was, okay? So I started hanging out with a group of believers, and I started hearing the Lord. And I started hearing Him convict me of my sin and calling me to something greater. And those were the beginning, those were the seeds, the first step of seminary and being a pastor. Not that all y'all got to be a pastor, but hey, some of y'all might. Or missionaries. Or just simply doctors, lawyers, artists, musicians, entrepreneurs who are giving their life to Christ and going out into the world and serving them in what God has gifted you to do and what you're good at. Praise the Lord. We want you to connect to Jesus. God gave us his church. He started it in a group. Who confessed? Who shared? Who repented? Who prayed? And the Holy Spirit poured forth. Nothing's changed since back then. And I want to see the Holy Spirit pour forth on you, on this church. So we want to lead you to Jesus, and it happens through you all, through one another. And what we're here to do is connect you to him through one another and see the Holy Spirit work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the work that you do in the midst of relationships. Thank you for the work that you're doing here. I pray that more and more people would simply want to know you. And they would see that by knowing you, that happens in a relationship. And I pray that people here who are already growing in you, have already been raised up, that they would see the need to mentor, to encourage, to disciple those that are younger in their faith. And I pray that we would continue to grow by your power and by your spirit, a culture of relationships and mentoring and discipling and raising leaders. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you most of all for Jesus. Thank you for your plan to grow your kingdom in relationships and groups. And may all of us know you more. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Bellwether podcast. Join us next week in our Raise series as we answer the question, Why is it important to be involved in local and global missions?